0: Hey there, folks. This is Jeff Benjamin along with Bruce Kelly with The Investment News Podcast. We have uh, two guests coming at you this week. We're going to bounce up and down the East Coast. We're starting with our intrepid Washington reporter, Mark Sheff, the Sheffinator, as he likes to be called. Then we're going to go up to somewhere in a cozy cabin in Maine where Emile Halle lives up there, uh, living the big life up there in a cabin, I think, without electricity or running water, but he seems happy. So, starting off with Mark. Well, first of all, hello, Bruce. How you been, buddy? Professor, I'm good, man. I can't wait to talk to Mark and Emile.
1: Here, I think Emile lives on a mushroom farm, right? Yeah, up something in, like that. Up in Magic Maine, and he's got. I always picture him as little puffs of smoke coming out of the chimney
0: up there. You know, right? In wearing wood. wearing flannel, wrapped in a blanket, smoking well, a pipe with the woodland elves and all that.
1: First, we got to go to the dirty, the dirty streets of Washington. Yes, and talk to our dear, our dear friend and colleague, Mark
2: Schiff. The swamp. How are Actually, you doing, Mark? hey guys, thanks for having me back. You know what? The streets of Washington should pretty much be pristine, considering that very few people have trod on them over the last couple of weeks, thanks to the security lock- lockdown. A very
1: strange scene on television this week at the inauguration, wasn't
2: it? Right. Well, it's an inauguration unlike any other. Anyone yes. alive has seen. So, Mark, what is uh, give us a give us a
0: rundown? You're inside. You're a knowledgeable Washington longtime guy. Uh, we want to know what's happening with all the changes and turnover and Democrats in technically in control. I know the margins are tight, but but they have the seats of
1: power, right? I mean, they have the deciding vote at the SEC now. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that has to affect the financial advice industry and financial advisors on the docket right now, I'd imagine.
2: Sure. Democrats do control all branches of government, the House, the Senate, and the presidency, the executive branch. But that doesn't mean that they'll have free reign to pursue President Biden's agenda or anyone else's, any other Democratic agenda, for that matter, because the the margins are so narrow in the House and they're absolutely the narrowest possible in the Senate. The Senate is 50-50, and Democrats have the majority. What are they going to focus on, do you think, Mark? What, what would, be, a,
1: what would what? be the two or three you know, big things that would affect our marketplace that, that the SEC is going to look at, the House Financial Services Committee is going to look at, what the new group is going to look at in general, do you think?
2: Well, overall, it's clear that uh, environmental policy will be huge for Democrats. I've listened to the uh, incoming chair of the Senate Finance Committee, Ron Wyden of Oregon, the incoming chair of the Senate Banking Committee, Sherrod Brown of Ohio, and both of them have said that environmental policy is is at near the top of their agenda. That is, environmental policy such that the Finance Committee through tax policy and the Banking Committee through securities law can can affect it. And of course, President Biden, in his executive orders and other actions on Wednesday, right after getting inaugurated, made clear that environment climate change is a priority for him. So I would say anything related to ESG is going to be big in a democratically controlled government.
1: Well, that's going to keep Jeff busy, right?
2: Yeah. At the SEC, that'll mean that Gary Gensler, the, the nominee for chairman, who has a 3-2 Democratic majority at the SEC, will likely pursue ESG disclosure, regulation uh, disclosure by companies. The commission will also look at other ESG policies as they relate to investing. And, um, and uh, at the DOL, already the Biden administration has indicated. It's going to review the DOL investment advice proposal that could curb ESG investing in retirement accounts. That was part of the raft of actions Biden took yesterday was to direct the DOL to review that, that rule and see if it, well, they'll, they'll certainly find that it falls short of the administration standard. So look for ESG to be really big.
1: Uh, sorry to interrupt, Mark, but Jeff, with all of that as, a, as as background, what do you make for the prospects of ESG investing, which we've talked about on the podcast before, of course, under the new Biden administration? Is this going to make uh, advisors more inclined to put uh, clients in ESG or 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 what do you think?
0: Well, I used to think it couldn't get much better for ESG because it's been right. so strong the past few years. the The money's been flowing into ESG categories and strategies. the The funds have been performing well. It's just been a good run, supported largely by the fact that most ESG strategies don't hold fossil fuels, which has been a, a had a really rough patch. But yeah, I think the popularity is going to increase. Financial advisors will find it easier to talk about ESG with their with their clients because there will be much more attention paid to it. The one thing that is missing still and I'd like to see more on this is getting ESG strategies inside company sponsored retirement plans because that's where most non super wealthy people have their investment money. <laughs> right.
2: Yes, well, ESG is 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 going to be in climate change in general and ESG as a subset of that will be uh, important in a in a democratically controlled government. You're also going to see movement, I believe, on on retirement savings policy. A Secure Act 2.0, for instance, has a lot of people hopeful for uh, good things to come because uh, there's bipartisan support for all the legislation that would serve as the foundation for a, another big retirement savings bill that, Looks to expand workplace savings opportunities and increase the amount of money people can put into their plans. That's likely uh, to go to advance this year. Where there's going to be tr- trouble is in the more divisive areas of policy, like increasing capital gains taxes, increasing the, the individual rate with the narrow Democratic majority in the Senate. It might be very difficult to advance those ideas because even uh, moderate Democrats may be ag- against them to go along with likely a wall of Republican opposition. And
1: no Republican would ever vote for a capital Gates tax increase. Come on.
3: Probably yeah.
2: not. Although in a in a so-called reconciliation bill, which only needs 51 votes 51, to pass, right. it would only take a one or two Republicans to cross over to make a big difference. So You never know, as these bills are negotiated, what's going to become a bargaining chip and and what may uh, move the process forward. And then with the uh, narrow uh, division in the House and the Senate, what we're not likely to see is uh, any kind of legislation that would set clear parameters for investment advice rules In other words, don't look for major legislation that would suddenly make fiduciary duty a requirement for every financial advisor. Because, again, that kind of policy not only is going to run into opposition from Republicans in the Senate, but maybe some Senate moderates as well. So what you can look for from Congress is tweaks to investment advice policies, for instance, like maybe clarifying that rollovers are fiduciary recommendations. Right. Perhaps something like that.
1: But that was a big part of the DOL fiduciary rule to begin with, right? This this fear that investors' rollovers were being slammed into the highest expensive type of investments, right?
2: Yes, that was certainly the the motivation for the Obama administration's DOL fiduciary rule and the Trump administration's rule to replace the vacated Trump administration rule. Also touches on rollover activities, but investor advocates say the Trump DOL fiduciary rule isn't nearly strong enough in protecting workers and, and retirees when they make rollover decisions. So that rule- uh, That's Reg did,
1: BI, of course.
2: And then, and, then there's, and then there's Reg BI. But going back to the DOL fiduciary rule, the Trump rule wasn't finalized until late in the administration, and its effective date is not until February 16th. So the Biden DOL is almost certainly going to extend the effective date, and 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 during that delay, we'll we'll decide uh, on a different approach, and probably almost certainly we'll redo that rule. Reg BI in the in the SEC though is uh, not only finalized, but it, it went into force last June, so that one is b- <laughs> pretty much set in stone as much as any rule can be. So what the Biden SEC is likely to do is look for ways to define best interest and ways to clarify how to mitigate conflicts. So it's sort of a men don't end uh, approach that the Biden SEC, which will be led by Gary Gensler, will likely take.
0: Hey, Mark, what about some of these other projects or, or ideals, I guess, that have come up that, I mean, what's the likelihood of a Green New Deal or free college or free ice cream or any of that free stuff that people are talking about? I mean, those those things are all things that obviously could have serious implications on economic growth and obviously taxes. Do those big things get get any momentum in, a, in such a tightly uh, balanced Congress?
2: No, one thing that, or no, I should say, not likely. Who who knows for <laughs> sure? Everything's <laughs> uncertain, but it's it's highly unlikely because in a in a fifty-fifty Senate, there's going to be the, the 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 filibuster will still be part of daily life. The filibuster rule requires sixty votes to pass legislation, and it looks like Republicans are saying the filibuster must stay in place as they're negotiating with Democrats over rules to um, power sharing rules. So not only do Republicans want to keep the filibuster, so do some moderate Democrats. And if you have to get 60 votes to pass legislation, to pass any legislation other than reconciliation, then you're not going to uh, get those 10 extra votes you need to get to 60 from 50 to 60 for um, the Green New Deal and other ideas of the sort of expansive ideas from the left. It's going to be highly unlikely that you'll get 60 votes. Let's put it that way.
0: You think that there's anything, uh, and again, kind of bringing it back to financial services and wealth management, you think that there's anything that's going to be kind of on the docket early in Biden's first two years with the, you know, the consideration that this slim majority could be gone in two years, as you know, you know how midterm elections go. Is there anything that would be you know kind of a, a likely top of the list issue?
2: Well, again, I, I would go back to uh, anything that's related to climate change. So if, if there's, for instance, tax policy related to, to climate change and, and securities law related to climate change, that's likely to be on the docket and, and that's likely to draw a lot of, of democratic support. But in terms of, a, of an overarching bill that makes fundamental change, it, it's it's just going to be very hard to get through the Senate. So I, I wouldn't look for anything earth-shaking. At least in the first few months, we'll see where we go from there. Unless, like I said, it has to do with retirement savings. That might be the one place where you could get a lot of momentum. Okay,
0: Bruce. Anything else with our uh, our good friend Mark? It just sounds very complicated. <laughs> I'm glad it's your beat, Mark, and not mine.
2: Well, I, what I always say is, even though I've been in Washington almost three decades, I'm always surprised by how often I'm surprised about what happens here.
1: Well, it's just a different priority uh, agenda, right? I mean, the the Republican priority is to deregulate, right? Right. And the and the Democrats want to regulate. You know, it's this push pull that we see every time we've changed administrations
2: right or or the other way of, of of stating it is republicans tend to prioritize the free market as the as the thing that solves all problems right and democrats prioritize government and courts as the things that make everything fair for americans so that's where the tension comes in that is a broad generalization political scientists will go nuts if they're listening to me but generally speaking, Democrats, government, and courts, Republicans, as unfettered a free market as possible, and then that's where the that's where the tension comes in. I mean, some would say Republicans don't care enough about individuals, Democrats, or some would say Democrats don't care enough about overall economic growth, and there you go, the partisan battles begin. Yeah.
0: All right. Why, why can't we all just get along? Well, um, with that, we're gonna uh, we're gonna segue into our next guest. Thank you very much, Mark. Thanks, nice, Mark. And thank you for being here and enlightening us every single time. We love having you on the show.
2: Great to be here, Jeff. Thanks for the invitation.
0: Yep. We're gonna segue now into uh, Emil Halle. He's uh, up there in his cabin in Maine, wherever that is, and is uh, gonna tell us all about retirement plan advisors.
1: Software, apps, beta versions, updates, (sighs) what? Technology is meant to make your life simpler and more efficient, especially as a business owner and financial advisor.
0: And there is a lot of incredible tech out there, but that's the catch. There is a lot of tech out there and it changes fast. Faster than that stoplight around the corner. You know the one that only lets one car through.
1: That's why.
0: We're here. That's Nicole Casperson, FinTech Reporter for Investment News.
1: And that's John Alaka, Deputy Managing Editor here at IN.
0: On TechStacks, our brand new podcast.
1: It's not just a beta version, folks.
0: We're covering all things FinTech. We'll have regular interviews with developers, entrepreneurs, advisors, and investors to give you real insights into trends, what's in store for the future, and which tech may help you and your business now.
1: Each monthly episode, we'll delve into an important topic so that you have the information you need to grow your business and your stack.
0: Launching on January 26th on InvestmentNews.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so Emil Hale, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here, and uh, I know you, you've been doing a lot of stuff on the retirement plan advisor space. I don't know if it's a. I hope it's not too broad a question. If you can just kind of give us a hit some of the highlights for us. Tell us what's going on.
3: Hey, well, thanks for having me, guys. Well, the reason that I am here today uh, is to talk a little bit about rpaconvergence.com. That's our site that is dedicated to all things for the Retirement Plan Advisor, especially for those... So that's,
1: excuse me, Emil, it's Bruce. That's a new website, or is this something that we've had in the past that I, I'm just ignorant of?
3: It launched last year.
1: Oh, okay. What's it
3: called again? rpaconvergence.com. Okay, cool. Yeah, and we have a lot of content that is geared toward those advisors who have a lot of business with 401k plans. Right. And uh, a lot of good stuff there for them. But more specifically, the reason I'm here today is to talk about some of the content that we had from our events late last year. Because of the pandemic, we couldn't hold these live events that we would otherwise do that we have in the past. And we ended up doing kind of three big events in uh, rapid succession. We held RPA events that were specific to broker dealers. These were two-day events with a round table on a think tank. The next one, we had about two dozen people from kind of across the industry at each of these. And then there was another event for what we call retirement advisor aggregators and another one for record keepers.
1: Okay. Hold on. Slow down. Sl- slow down. Slow down. Three events. You did three different webcasts. Well, six if
3: you count one for each day.
1: Okay. So six days of webcasts around three marketplaces. Yes. Broker dealers, aggregators, and what was the last one? Retirement plan record keepers. And record keepers. Okay. And we had one for
3: retirement CIOs earlier in the year, but that wasn't part of this, this kind of rapid fire series.
1: That sounds like a lot of stuff to me. You
3: know, it was. Uh, But it was good. (laughs) It was really good. Got to meet a lot of folks in the industry and hear what was on their minds. It's a lot of topics that uh, were kind of consistent throughout each of those, you know, and kind of broadly, people were interested in talking about all of the industry consolidation that's been going on. And that's really apparent in the record-keeping business, but also among these retirement advisor aggregator firms.
1: What are one or two of the big ones that you write about or that come up in your reporting. Who are the of the aggregators out there?
3: Oh, like SageView, for example. SageView Cap Trust. Those are the the big ones, both of which recently got some investment from private equity.
1: Yeah, SageView was a, a majority piece of SageView was bought yeah, by, by private equity. just at the end of last year or something, yeah, right?
3: Yeah, Aquiline, Aquiline Capital Partners uh took a majority investment in them.
0: Huh. Yeah. Hey, Emil, I know the way the private equity structure works, That they, they, they buy a big piece of Sageview or CapTrust, and then the deals start to happen from CapTrust and Sageview and the, the, the acquisitions yeah. beyond that and so forth. But if you're a, an advisor that focuses on retirement plans, are these guys looking to put themselves into a bigger place like CapTrust or Sageview? Or do you talk to those guys enough to know where they are in all this consolidation?
3: Yeah. Well, so fortunately, we were, we had folks from relatively, or from smaller firms as well as bigger ones. And so there, there are a couple of things going on. Right now, it's a super attractive time to sell to one of these aggregators or to a private equity firm because private equity is just so interested in it right now. And the Mm -hmm. multiples of EBITDA. Can I use that word? Can I say EBITDA? Do I need to explain what that I is? I think you can. Yeah, you
1: <laughs> can say it. What kind of, what before what I get before before kind of, interest? T- how much times? T- 10 times? Because it, it's been the same thing in the RA marketplace, right? Jeff, you know, it used to be oh, yeah. six times EBITDA, then we, it crept up to 10 times. EBITDA, I think it's a little then- bit
0: different for retirement plans because the, uh, the, the fees are a little lower but right. the, and that's why the dollars are so much bigger when you see retirement plan advisors they'll you know they they retire they manage plans as opposed to right individual so what what how have the how have the ebitda multiples
3: moved so i'm not sure what they were in you know kind of the recent past but i would say that from what i've gathered 10 times ebitda is kind of the going rate, if wow. not higher, there's yeah. been speculation that one of the recent deals went for as much as, or the valuation of a firm was about twenty times EBITDA. Holy mackerel!
1: For retirement plan? Yeah, and the pokey old retirement. Uh, well, not for admin- you know. Yeah, not for business? the
3: plans. Not not for the plans themselves, but so there 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 are a few things going on that have have kind of raised valuations, and part of it, as I understand it, has to do with this what we say, is the convergence in the space where it's not just about retirement plans anymore. It's about you know, wealth and health and providing all of these different benefits to companies that have retirement plans for their workers. And from there, there is the possibility to expand relationships with participants to include you know, that, that wealth component. So it, it's,
1: it's increasingly being looked at as a very valuable business. So to turn a retirement plan business into a retirement plan plus wealth management Type of business. That's then.
3: the trend for
1: sure. Yeah. yeah. Is that really happening though? So I'm not sure how much
3: that is that is actually happening right at this moment. Um, I'm sure that it is to some extent. But you know, an interesting thing that that some of the folks mentioned was that for those retirement plan savers out there who wouldn't normally qualify for wealth management because their accounts are tiny, you know, but they might be the kind of clients that these firms would want in the future. They might be people who are interested in that financial wellness help. And so what some of these firms are doing is they're putting their less experienced advisors kind of, you know, in that financial wellness service to help these folks with like debt management, building emergency accounts, college savings, like anything that could be identified there and then using that to kind of build a relationship with them and eventually, you know, maybe that does extend to wealth as well. And then it helps those advisors kind of build their chops too. Yeah, sure.
0: Emil, this is one thing I've I've kind of always wondered about retirement plan advisors. And just to be clear, we're talking about advisors that primarily manage company retirement plan assets, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So do they generally start out in that space and then expand into individuals or do they have individual relationships and sometimes they hook on to somebody that also owns a business? And once they get one way or another, do they generally specialize or focus on retirement plans or, or is there a blend? I mean, what I'm asking for is for our audience, could you be a, an advisor in one area or another and kind of expand out to have a little bit of everything?
3: There are those firms out there that just kind of dabble in it, you know, where they maybe have a couple of wealth clients who provide a 401k plan for their employees. And so they might have a couple of those under the belt, but they're not. You know, retirement plans are definitely not the majority of their business. They don't have that specialized skill set. So, you know, and I'm not sure where, you know, the paths that lead the different advisors to have the majority of their business in 401k plans. But I think, you know, if you have a lot of 401k plan clients, that that's probably where you're focusing uh, your business.
0: Do you focus at all on uh, some of the menu options that you're seeing? It, it, I'm wondering if there's any issues coming up because I'm always focused on... Things like, when are we going to see ETFs on these retirement plans? When are we going to see ESG strategies? When are we going to see maybe some private equity? Are you seeing anything along those lines? Do you look at oh, that stuff? Yeah, well,
3: on the ESG front, uh you could ask Mark chef
0: I'm if you didn't already. We just did, but I'm asking. Yeah. Us, we just talked it. I like to yeah. double check everything. You know, I'm interested in
3: that too. I'm I'm super interested in it.
1: But that's a, that's a self-directed IRA, Jeff, you're talking about.
3: Yeah, I know, right?
0: but I don't know why there's some of that stuff can't be available in a on a retirement plan menu. I mean, come on. Oh boy, you want private equity on a like a uh, Joe Six Pack invested
1: in private equity, man.
0: man. I don't to- I do private equity. Oy. That's where all the fun is. That's why these guys are spending all their money buying into the wealth management space. <laughs> Come on, Bruce, step out on the that's edge. It's a high bet. risk endeavor, my friend. High risk. Risk equals reward. You got to risk it to get the biscuit. <laughs> <laughs>
3: To clarify, to the extent that private equity is is likely to work its way into 401k plans, it's really as kind of a component of a target date series and probably, you know, in most cases not even a 40 act fund, you know, or as a component of managed accounts. So not not like the kind of menu option that participants could select themselves and put all of their money into. They couldn't go hundred percent into private equity.
0: Yeah. But I I'm mean, more you sound, anyway. you sound just like those people that I talk to when I call Vanguard, and they basically politely tell me that I can't do what I want to do. So
3: <laughs> you want to put all your money in gold, do you?
0: Bitcoin, baby. The backyard,
3: okay. <laughs> you know, one of those things when it comes to the menu, and a lot of folks are interested in is retirement income and the incorporation of annuities, either as part of the qualified default investment option—that's the, the investment option that people are automatically put in when they're auto enrolled in a plan—or as a component or and or a component of a, of a targeted fund or maybe a managed account. But that's something that really hasn't taken off yet. And it's something that has come up since I've been covering this space. It's never really made that much headway. There's been more guidance from the Department of Labor. And I know that there's been some product development on that front. It's, it's something that everybody is kind of anticipating will happen at some point. It just hasn't really picked up a lot of steam yet.
0: Okay. Anything else going on in the RPA space, as we call it internally here at Investment News? Yeah,
1: what, what happened with the issues? You put out a big issue on this or a special section or something? Yeah, there's something to talk about that. There's
0: a big section in this week's
3: issue of Investment News. And all of the content, You know, if you want to take a look at it, all the stories are on rpaconvergence.com. Uh, it's updated daily. A lot of good stuff on there. Everything kind of geared toward the retirement advisor. So please check that out uh, if you have any interest in that, whether you're just want to know more about the space, you know, or if you're a specialist, there, got lots of good content for you.
1: Uh, and last question, Emil, before we go, do you think we're going to see any more of these big deals? I'll say to you in the next, you know, six months or 12 months or something. It's an interesting question,
3: um, because I think that there are going to be a lot more deals, and that seems to be the consensus, too. But the size of the deals is kind of the question. You know, there are firms like One Digital that are out there buying up a lot of smaller firms. They did, they said they closed 37 deals last year. Wow. You know, and some of that are, are, are not specifically retirement plan providers because they, they kind of focus on the benefit space overall. There, I think there's going to be a lot more of the smaller acquisition activity because there aren't, you know, a lot of those, those big companies like Sageview aren't necessarily for sale. So, um, or
1: they've already been bought. That, yeah, right? exactly. The big, the big guys are all already gobbled up or already, you know, their own thing. Correct.
3: Yeah. But the anticipation is that this is going to keep going on for a few years.
1: All right. Well, that's great. Thank you so much for coming by. Hey, Emil. Thanks for having me guys. Always a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Emil. Hey, Jeff, that was another great episode of the Investment News Podcast, as we like to call it here. Yes, sir. If you're listening, you know that the Investment News Podcast launches every Monday. This was a terrific episode of the Investment News Podcast. Of course, we'd like to thank our very special guests, Emile Halle, our retirement plan and insurance reporter here, and also the aforementioned Mark Sheff, senior reporter in Washington, D.C. at Investment News. We'd also like to thank Stephen Lamb, our producer. And just one more item before we go, I'd just like to say we saw our old friend Trevor at the um, White House press briefing, and he's a former investment news reporter, and he's now covering the White House for Reuters, so we wanted just to say congratulations to him. If you're looking for the Investment News Podcast, you can find it at investmentnews.com, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Please leave a review on Apple, follow us on Spotify. If you have questions, you can reach out to us on Twitter. Jeff's handle is at Benji Ryder, and me, I'm at BB News Guy. Thanks very much for stopping by and talking to
0: you next week.